Our theme music comes first this week because it's just me on the episode. Welcome back to Snowcast. I'm Alex McNamee. We'll have more episodes with more interviews beginning next week. But for this particular show, I wanted to hit the pause button in a way to stop and talk about how we've gotten here to this stage of podcasting five episodes into it. Even though, trust me, there's still much more to learn and a lot for us to improve. So I wanted to let you in on some of our not-so-secret secrets about how to start a podcast in case this game of Oregon Trail is one you'd like to play with us as well. So where did Snowcast come from? How about a story going deep, deep, deep background into why I had this idea? So there I was, editor of the Daily Eastern News, Eastern Illinois University's student-run newspaper, when we were planning coverage for the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. I took an interest in finding out how the people in my shoes, the den staff 10 years prior, handled the day, how they did their jobs, how they called the biggest audible of their lives on the production plan for the next morning's issue. I spoke to people from all parts of the staff, the editor-in-chief, opinions and sports editors, production editors, all with different perspectives to tell different roles to play that day. Some are working journalists now, PR directors of major corporations, managers of their local banks. It didn't matter. They'd been part of that day and they had stories. Boy, did they have stories. That's still one of my favorite stories I've ever produced. The first draft probably flexed out to about 4,000 words or more, and the space in the paper allowed for only about half of that. Even then, I didn't get to write all I could write or lay it out the way I imagined, but that's journalism, isn't it? That day, or maybe it was some other random day, and that day just brought it back out of me, I realized how much I loved hearing stories about stories. I loved listening to journalists talk about what they experienced and when. And that right there is the reason I had the idea for Snowcast. Now we're five episodes in, this is the sixth, and we've helped retell stories about the University of Iowa's student newspaper covering uh, the Molly Tibbetts abduction and tragic murder. We've told stories about the New York Times redesigning its website homepage and about Pittsburgh High School students figuring out how to be online journalists. It's not all 9-11, but painting with broader strokes, it's still journalists sharing stories, letting us into their heads to understand how and why they did what they did and what it was like to do it. That's where you have to start your podcast. You have to have an idea, and that idea has to make sense in a couple ways. Is it reasonable for you to accomplish and produce? Who is your audience and what are they interested in? Those, those are a couple questions I asked myself. Now given my background, um, our client list and the friendships we've developed with educators, the first answer was yes. The second answer we guessed was yes also. They're interested in this because they're journalists or teachers of journalists and this information is one interesting and two can be learned from what will your idea be is it broad enough to fulfill several episodes we're trying to do one every week here is it tight enough to get your listeners used to what they'll get in every episode to keep them coming back when you have the idea plot out the first bunch of episodes 
weeks before I started producing this, I knew what my first three episodes were, and I'd made contact with those guests, I'd scheduled those interviews. The fourth and fifth episodes, those ideas occurred to me quickly based on current events, things that were happening. Uh, give yourself that buffer to get started. If you're working on three to five episodes all in advance of your first upload, you're setting yourself up for early success. Podcast tip websites, and there are many of those, will tell you the exact same thing. Now, how do you turn the idea into something real? First, you're going to need a place to upload it. And no, it's not as simple as uploading your episode to iTunes or Spotify. It doesn't work that way. You need to create an account on a podcast hosting site. I looked at SoundCloud, Art19, and Anchor because that's where I've listened to podcasts before. You ought to do the same thing. See where your favorite podcasts are uploading their shows, whether it's by finding the link that they're posting on Twitter or identifying the brand that's labeled on the media player where you're listening to those episodes. Next, know what you want out of those hosting platforms. I wanted it to be free, so Art19 was out, and not to have any upload space limitations to that free account. SoundCloud was out. I also wanted to figure out the method for getting my podcast onto iTunes and Spotify and Overcast and Google Podcasts and all those other listening platforms where you're finding Snowcast today. Many of these hosting sites, including all three that I've mentioned so far, are set up to push your episodes to those listening platforms for you. And even to do the initial legwork that comes with submitting your podcast for review in the first place. After all, Apple and the others have to actually approve it to be on their podcast apps, whether you do the steps on your own or have Anchor or SoundCloud do it for you. I'm using Anchor. It checked all three of those boxes. It, like SoundCloud, has an app and desktop experience in which you can record directly to it which is nice. You generate clips, then you can edit those clips seemingly with all of the power and precision of anything else. That might work really well if your idea involves interviewing people in person, but I was not going to have access to everyone in person, so I really haven't used that technology. So where do you record, edit, and export outside of, let's say, the Anchor app? Download Audacity for Mac or Windows. It's basically the industry leader. It's free to download. GarageBand is also popular for this. And to be honest, I used GarageBand about eight years ago when I would record sports talk podcasts with my friends, all of us sitting around the pool table in my parents' basement. We talked about the FIFA World Cup for about two and a half hours. Audacity is where you can record to or upload recorded MP3s from other sources. You can trim those recordings, cut things out of them. So really, as you're recording, don't worry if you slip up or trip over your words or have some dead air time during the recording. You can edit it to perfection later. What about our music? There are several free use music sites out there. Just Google them. 
The one I had the most success with was the YouTube free music library. You can Google that too. Basically, it had the easiest interface to use. You download a song or a, a tone, essentially, store it on your computer and upload it to the podcast in Audacity later. And you'll probably trim it up in Audacity because nobody wants a three minute long intro beat. As a safeguard, credit your music source in your podcast's general information or in the details of every episode. Never, and I'm serious, never, steal music. Don't make your intro City of Blinding Lights by U2. Just don't. What's also cool about Anchor, when you're recording and editing clips through its own interface, it has a library of free intro and outro music you can use. And now what about actual recording and the interviews? Well, I've tried a lot. Of the five episode interviews I've done, I've used four different methods to record them. And here's the other thing. I don't have any professional external microphone sound splitters or other technical doodads that would probably make my shows sound better. In person is always your best bet. If you listen to our first episode, it's the best in sound quality by far. The interview with Annabella, we did that sitting across a table from each other in our office with my laptop sitting in the middle, audacity recording. My interviews with the New York Times design team and the Daily Iowan editors were done using the teleconference slash screen sharing app, join.me. Also popular now is one called Zoom. The guest calls a number, punches in a conference ID, and you do the same, and then you click record on the software before you start your conversation. Those recordings go to the join.me browser interface for you to download. Now, they're QuickTime videos because it's meant to be a screen sharing video that you're recording, but I'm working my way around that. I just Google an MP3 converter, Upload that QuickTime video file to that converter that turns them into the mp3 I need from whatever they already are. The sound quality there has been a little muted and a little in inconsistent at times between how I sound and how the interviewees sound. And you want to try your best to shrink that gap between those two. Some of it has to do with what the interviewees are using on the other end, but I'm not to the point where I want to be demanding anything of the people I'm talking to. There's all this stuff online about sending your guests the equipment you want them to use or having them download something, but I'm not in favor of that. That means explaining to them how to set up equipment or how to use a specific app, and especially when it means them having to record something on their end. It all feels like a lot to ask, and also a lot for me to produce. The interview with Emily Smith was one failed test turned into one that worked well enough. I wanted to tap my phone into a Bluetooth speaker with Emily on the line and record the sound coming from that Bluetooth speaker with Audacity on my laptop. Complicated, I know. Problem was, Emily couldn't hear me talking back to her through that Bluetooth speaker. So instead, I put her on speakerphone 
on my cell phone, placed it next to my laptop, and then hit record on Audacity on my computer. You could hear me speaking aloud in the room and Emily responding through the speaker on my phone. The sound quality there was okay for the most part. There were some high and low pitches at times that might have blown your eardrums out. We are sorry about that. Finally, my interview with Allison Graves was done using Google Voice. This was a recording experience I really liked, though the sound level still probably could have been better. Remember, altogether, you're basically at the will of a cell phone's service strength, whether it's perfect LTE or you have no bars. Pro tip, don't interview anyone in a cave. The way to get around that is to have the guest use a landline phone, which really is very reasonable and accessible for most people. I'd recommend it, even though I haven't had a guest test it yet. But I will. But here I am giving advice for something I haven't tried. Google Voice works like this. Go to the Voice app from your Google account, your Google email address, and get a free phone number. In the setup for it, you'll forward that number to your real phone number. So in setting up my interview with Allison, I told her to call the Google Voice number, which routed through to my cell phone. The point is you can record your call with Google Voice, and you can do it for free on all calls inside the country. The one extra step you'll take is to enable the recording on the Google Voice number. It's an on-off option in your Google Voice settings. You'll be able to find it. Then, when your guest calls that number, you answer on your phone like you regularly would, and before you start, you press 4 on the keypad, which initiates the recording. It'll record the rest of the conversation until you hang up or press 4 again, and seemingly there's no time limit as well. My call with Allison was about 40 minutes. I liked this experience because it was the most similar thing to talking on a normal phone call. When the call is over, your recording generates and pops up in the voicemail inbox of your Google Voice account. That's where you retrieve it, download it, import it into Audacity. That's how I get the interviews, but I should warn you, recording is a nerve-wracking part of it. I have a sign by my desk in the office where I record those calls that reads, press 4 to record! Exclamation point so that hopefully I never forget. Forgetting and having to do it over again, that's my nightmare. I suggest you give yourself as many reminders as possible. One of the most popular ways to record, one that I haven't tried yet, is Skype. Uh, this is something I'm still reading about and plan to explore soon with my upcoming guests. Do you have a podcast and use Skype to record remote interviews? Let us know about your experience using it. What else? The intro and outro messages. I usually record those separately from the interview itself, which is why you hear a different sound quality between the intro and the actual interview. To simulate a mic for those, I use my Apple headphones that have the mic in them. I plug those into my laptop, press record on Audacity, and begin talking. The Audacity recording pulls from the sound coming out of those Apple headphones. 
and those headphones produce pretty good sound. Those intros and outros, even the interview questions, they're all scripted. For interviews, preparing questions gives me a direction to go and a place to fall back if I lose track of the conversation. But certainly it allows you to improvise, and you should, when it feels natural. You want the conversation in a way to sound like it's unscripted and easier. I don't give myself as much slack with intros and outros. I write those up and I read from them. You should practice reading over them a few times beforehand, seeing if anything you're saying feels weird or if you've messed something up. Even though they're scripted, you want them to sound conversational and sound like you. Sometimes when you script lines, they can sound robotic when read aloud. Practicing should weed out any weird things like that from the script. You'll also notice from listening to our episodes that the intro and outro are always about the same as they were the weeks before. I strive to keep these bits pretty consistent as far as the time spent on the intro and outro and what's being said in each of them. Even the music, that theme music, always comes in at the same place and fades out after the same set amount of time. This week, though, I started with music first. I suppose it suggests immediately that there's something different about this episode. I don't need music to break between an intro and an interview like I usually do. Now that we're six weeks in, our podcast is available just about everywhere. That includes iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and there's a full list of where it's available on our Anchor FM page. Please subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. On iTunes, leave us a rating and review to let us know how we're doing. Should you have any suggestions for improving the podcast, please feel free to send those over to us separately. We welcome helpful advice. And we always welcome any tips on anything you would like to hear discussed on the podcast or someone you think would make a good guest. So, know anyone? Next week, we're back again with a new interview. That's it for me for now. Thanks for listening.